Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative in which every story, every character points beyond itself to one who is greater. The story of Adam and Eve is not just about the first man and woman. There is a true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is ascribed to us. There is a true and better Abel who, though innocently slain, has blood that cries out not for our condemnation, but for our acquittal. There is a true and better Abraham who answered the call of God to leave all the comfortable and familiar and go out into the void to create a new people of God. There is a true and better Isaac, the son of laughter, of grace, who was not just offered up by his father on the mount, but was truly sacrificed for us all. There is a true and better Jacob, who wrestled and took the blow of justice we deserve, so we, like Jacob, only receive the wounds of grace that wake us up and discipline us. There is a true and better Joseph, who at the right hand of the king forgives those who betrayed and sold him and uses his new power to save them. There is a true and better Moses who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord and who mediates a new covenant. There is a true and better rock of Moses who struck with the rod of God's justice now gives us water in the desert. There is a true and better Job, the truly innocent sufferer, who then intercedes for and saves his foolish friends. There is a true and better David, whose victory becomes his people's victory, though they never lifted a stone to accomplish it themselves. There is a true and better Esther, who didn't just risk losing an earthly palace, but lost the ultimate heavenly one, who didn't just risk his life, but gave his life to save his people. There is a true and better Jonah, who was cast out into the storm so that we could be brought in. There is a true and better Passover lamb, innocent, perfect, helpless, slain so the angel of death will pass over us. He's the true temple, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true sacrifice, the true lamb, the true light, and the true bread. The Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative that points to one person, Jesus. Amen. Can I get an amen? That's some good stuff there. I, I want to welcome all of you here this morning. I'm Pastor Bard Gerace. I'm the senior pastor here. We're so glad that you came and worshiped with us this morning. What a beautiful morning. Was it nice to wake up to the sunshine and, and the birds and having Easter a little bit later uh, this year makes it nice so we don't have to... Uh, shovel our driveways to get to church on Easter. Um, I'm so glad that you're here, and uh, I believe that um, the one thing that can transform your life more than anything else is Jesus. And, and that's why we're here today. We're here to, to talk about Jesus and, and, and what makes Jesus different. And, and, and maybe, maybe you're, you're here today and, and you're not too sure about all this stuff. Maybe, maybe you're not real sure, did, did Jesus really... Was he really raised from the dead? I, you know, I, I just basically came to church today because someone promised me a ham dinner after church today, or maybe maybe some chocolate or some peeps. How many of you like peeps? 
They're nasty, by the way. Okay, Pastor Mike, who's up here earlier, loves peeps, but they're just, I don't know what they are, to be honest with you. You could be eating melted plastic. I don't know. But uh, I don't know why you're here, but I'm glad uh, that you're here. And, um, you know, maybe you have some, some questions, and, and that's, that's okay. Uh, when I was younger, I had a, a lot of questions, but, but I want you to think of one thing just for a moment. Because the reason why we're here, the reason why we're celebrating today is because we're celebrating the resurrection. And if the resurrection of Jesus is true, if it really is historically true, and if this is a verifiable event, then it changes everything. Listen, you can't look at life the same anymore. If Jesus conquered the grave, then it changes everything. Everything, And I want you just to think for just a moment. There's a lot of people who have done a lot of great things in history. A lot of people that have taught great things. And, and Jesus could easily be lumped in to these other teachers or leaders. And Jesus said some pretty incredible things and made some really outrageous claims that many have scoffed at, even at the time of Jesus. And many even at the present day, scoff at the claims of Jesus. But what does it for me is what Jesus did. And and what we know through the word of God is that Jesus conquered the grave and he said that he would. What, What makes Jesus so unique from every other religious figure is what we're celebrating today, and that's the resurrection. Every other major religious figure has a grave. And I I got thinking about this because I I began to research other great religious figures. Buddha, great, you know, major religious figure in the world today, uh, died around 483 B.C. and was cremated. Uh, Muhammad died in 632 and buried in Saudi Arabia. Confucius died in 479 B.C. in China. And many will travel to these places, to these burial plots, to to visit them. But if you go to Israel and try to find Jesus' tomb, you've got a problem there. Because there's no body there. And what's even more funny is that people, what's interesting is people will travel all over the world to look at something that isn't there. Isn't that interesting? And, and they'll make these pilgrimage to something that isn't there. And, and, and here's the passage that I believe that exemplifies this very fact. Let me give you a little background here. Mary and Martha, who were friends of, of Jesus and who were followers uh, of Jesus, uh, had an issue. They had a brother, and their brother's named Lazarus, and Lazarus was very sick. And they called Jesus to come and heal him. But what happened is Jesus delayed in his coming. And because Jesus delayed in his coming, Lazarus... Uh, eventually died and Mary and Martha were were dismayed the, the scripture tells that 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 Jesus was going to use this situation to show God's glory and Jesus finally came but it was too late and the the apostle John picks this story up in John 11:21 and 27 and I believe if you understand this passage it will change your life and I, I want to look at the encounter here that that John describes for us and in John eleven twenty one verses twenty one and twenty seven it says this. It said, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, she went and she went to meet Jesus as he was coming his way towards their village. She said, If you would have been here, my brother would have not died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. 
And Martha answered, and she says, I know you'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection in the life, and the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So even before Jesus goes, and eventually the story tells us that Jesus will raise Lazarus from the dead, before he even goes to this, he poses this question to Martha. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and life. In fact, four times we see the word believe used in this passage. And I believe the key to eternal life is what you believe in. That's the difference between eternal life and eternal death is what you believe in. And Jesus pointed this question right at Martha and says, do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? And what she did was, is she stated her faith and her belief in the one and the only one who could give life. Now, a lot of people have tried to cheat death and and tried to live longer. How many know that we are all going to die one day? That's an inevitable fact. We are not promised tomorrow. That's why we get older. That's why we get gray hair. That's why, you know, we're not like me. I just turned 48 last Sunday. 48? 48? That's hitting 50. And then you know what happens there. It just, no, I'm just teasing. You know, and and my kids are, you know, they're all, most of them are teenagers. I got a daughter's 12. She's going to be a teenager next year. Now I'm going to have three teenagers in the house. Pray for, let's pray right now. Lord, help me with three teenagers. Um, We all know, we we, we try to fight it, right? But but it's inevitable. We all are going to die. But here Jesus states here, do you believe that I have the power over death? So, Jesus here, here's what I I want you to see about Jesus and what makes him so unique. Jesus didn't simply claim that he knew truth. A lot of people claim that they know truth, but he actually claimed that he was the truth. Jesus didn't simply claim that he could show you a way to God through his teaching. He said that he was the only way. To God. Jesus didn't simply say that he could tell you about the resurrection or this might happen one day. He said that he was the resurrection and the life and that he would die. But in three days, he would rise again and conquer the grave and show that to his disciples. And for those that believe in him, they can have the same hope. And so we don't have this person who makes these claims, these lofty claims, and and they're just practical. And they're like, okay, yeah, they could happen. They, they, they They might work. They might not work. Jesus actually proved it through his life. He had the power over death. Now, anyone who claims these things could not be just any other man. He would actually have to be God. And that's what separates Jesus from every other religious figure is that Jesus was actually God. He was the God man. Now, I like what C.S. Lewis says here. The claims that any one person would make that Jesus made would either be the greatest liar in the world or the greatest con artist or a complete lunatic or he would actually be Lord. 
See, Jesus didn't give us any other way to believe in him. He didn't say, if you want to believe in me and you want to believe in these other religious figures, go ahead, because there's many ways to God. Jesus was very exclusive in how we are to believe in him, and he was very inclusive in all those that would come to him because the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not, what, perish or die, but have everlasting life. You see, let me just say this to you. We live in a world that wants to put everything together and put potpourri on it, make it smell really good, put a bow on it, and be all inclusive with everybody's beliefs because that's tolerant, that, that's diversity, that, that makes everything nice and neat and tidy, and it makes everybody feel good, and we all can join hands and sing kumbaya, and everybody feels good, and they all go home, right? But let, let me just state something to you here this morning. Somebody has to be right, and somebody has to be wrong. Not everybody is right. And if you, many people say, well, well, Pastor, wait a minute. Aren't all religions basically the same? No, they're not. Because here's what separates Christianity in the person of Jesus Christ from every other religious belief. There is not one other religious belief that believes that Jesus was God. They may say he was a great prophet. They'll believe that he walked the earth. Other religious uh, systems even believe that he was uh, born of a virgin. But to claim that Jesus actually was God, that's where the line is drawn in the sand. And Jesus said, me and the Father are one. That Jesus is God. And so we've got to make a choice here. We just can't say, well, they're all the same because they really aren't the same when you really get into the beliefs of every other religious belief. So if he is Lord, if he is God, then we better get this right and we can't ignore it. Because if it is true, then we have to do some thinking in our lives. It's okay to doubt even Jesus' disciple Thomas doubted that Jesus had actually risen from the grave. We're going to talk about that later. But, but here's what I would say to you. Don't simply brush it off. Check it out for yourself. That's why the next series of messages that we promoted this morning is so important for you to come to. We're going to look at why is the Bible the Bible? Why is that the Word of God? Why is Jesus who he said? Why is he God? We're going to look at why is there evil in the world? Why is there suffering? Why do people suffer? Why do, why do uh, bad things happen to good people? Why is there suffering? I'm going to tell you, listen, listen, listen. Listen. So many people, they, they, they stop short. They just, they, they, they come in their mind and say, well, I have all these, you know, this is the way I believe. And that's it. And then I'll ask people, well, have you checked it out for yourself? Have you looked at the evidence? Have you read the Bible? No, I don't need to read the Bible. I go, well, why don't you start off by just reading the Bible? Start there. It's okay. No one's going to hurt you. I'm not going to come down and hunt you down to your house and see if you're reading the Bible or not. But just why don't you start there? Just start reading the Bible. See, we make all these preconceived notions and just shut our mind off. And then we just, we just assume these things are true because that's what we believe without really checking out the evidence behind it. So I want to encourage you, come the next nine weeks. So that you can make your own decision based on evidence and not just based on whatever you think is right or wrong or what you heard from somebody around the water cooler, right? So, so come, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to come the next weeks and check that out. So this, this statement 
Now, might help if you're struggling with this. And I heard this statement and I really appreciate it. It says this. It says the Christian faith is not simply based on a feeling or philosophy. Do you realize that the Christian faith is actually based on historical, verifiable evidence? It's actually based on historical, verifiable events. Now, I have to admit that, that, that when I came to Christ, something happened in my life. My life changed. At 16 years old, in April 1982, I came to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I, and I believe that Jesus was God, that, that He died for my sins. And I bowed my heart towards Him. And I put my faith, my complete faith in Jesus Christ. And it was very real for me. When I bowed before Christ and laid my life down before Him and put my trust in Him, something changed in my heart. And all I can say to people is, why do you know? All I can say is, I was blind and now I, saw, I, was, and I could see now. I was brought up in church. But I'll tell you what, we used to sing Crown Him at church almost every week. Did nothing for me. It was a nice song. I sing it now, I cry like a little baby. Because it means so much more to me because now I realize what Jesus did. Why? Because He changed my heart. He changed my heart from that which was unbelief to belief in that what I'm singing actually happened. It's not just a bunch of words. It's not just motions I go through. It's not just some religious exercise that I went through. I'm like, ah, oh, we've got to go to church again. And I could count it. Our church service were 58 minutes. Man, I had my watch on. 55. 52 more minutes. Can't wait. And, I, you know... And they didn't, listen, they didn't have children's church. We had to sit in the pews. And at our church, only the first five rows had cushions in the pews. We should do that here. I like that idea, actually. That's actually a good idea. We're going to have cushion seats for, and all the way back, hard chairs. So make you guys sit in the front. Listen. It doesn't have to be mundane. It doesn't have to be religion that's old and crusty and dry and meaningless. Christ came to change your heart. And he did that for me. I felt something. My heart changed. It was very real for me. But as wonderful as that is, my faith in Jesus is not just based in my feelings, but in the fact that Jesus did conquer the grave, that the resurrection was just not another story or a fable, but actually an historical real event, which made my conversion to Christ even more remarkable as I grew as a disciple of Jesus Christ. As I read the Word of God, I was like, wow, this book is true. These things are factual. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. That, that history and so, and, and so many other verifiable events uh, uh, prove that this thing is actually true. And it actually encouraged my faith even more. So I want you to have the confidence that your faith in Jesus is based on solid evidence. And you might be here today and you think that what Christians believe is just a story without substance or that all religions are basically all the same. I want to look at just a few things here this morning and then our next series Starting next week, we are going to dig in. And I'm going to give you some solid, solid evidence that proves that Jesus is who he says he is and that your faith in Christ is not based in some just fable or, or hearsay, uh, but it's actually based in something that's true and has substance and that you can put your faith in it. And you're standing on solid, firm, solid foundation in your walk with Jesus Christ. So here's what I just want to give you a couple things on what we 
know actually happened. And I'm going to go through these real quick, but let me just give you a couple of things. Here's what we here's what we know. We know historically that Jesus actually died. Jesus died on a cross to ensure that 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 to ensure that there was a, a spear that was pierced into his side. Even secular writers at the time of Jesus's death speak of his crucifixion. After his death, Jesus was actually wrapped in a hundred pounds of linens and spices, which would have suffocated him. So we know that that he actually died. We know that Jesus was actually placed in a tomb. Jesus's enemies didn't want his body stolen from his disciples. Uh, so what they did was they they had the tomb guarded and they had the entrance to the tomb sealed. And we know this tomb was purchased by a close friend. So let me give you a couple things here. Why in the world would Jesus' disciples want to steal the body of Christ? Because if they stole the body of Christ, wouldn't they only believe in a lie? So there, there was, for the disciples to steal the body would make no sense whatsoever because they would actually be living their lives believing in a, a lie that they created themselves. We know Jesus was alive three days after his death. Non-Christian writers at the time speak of the followers of Christ meeting on Sunday to worship Jesus because of the resurrection. They began to meet early, early in the morning to celebrate. That's why we celebrate and we worship uh, on Sunday, most churches, because that's the day that Jesus rose from the grave. So we just don't celebrate the resurrection Every once a year on a Sunday that we mark Easter, we actually celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. We should be celebrating the resurrection every day because we know what Jesus did. And so even secular writers tell us of early believers, early disciples of Jesus worshiping on Sunday. Now, would they meet based on a lie? Absolutely not. The reason they met is for the simple reason that Jesus actually revealed himself to them. He just didn't say, listen, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise from the grave grave three days later. So just believe that. But he actually showed himself to these early believers. And this is why I love this verse. In John 20, verses 26 and 29, Jesus reveals himself to his disciples. So after Jesus' death, after his resurrection, and before his ascension to heaven, he was on the earth for 40 days. Speaking and teaching and walking with his disciples. And I like this passage in John 20. It says, a week later, this is after his resurrection, a week later, his disciples were in a house again, and Thomas was with them. So the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands Reach out your hands and put them into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And here's what Thomas's response was. He said to him, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Now, if Jesus wasn't God, do you think Jesus would have corrected Thomas right there? Jesus did not correct Thomas because Jesus is God. And Thomas found that out for himself. Verse uh, 29 says, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, catch this, because you've seen me, you believe, but blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. 
And so Jesus appears to his disciples. Jesus was with them for 40 days between his resurrection and ascension. So let me throw this question out to you. Why would the majority of the disciples of Christ die martyrs' deaths if this event was not true? Why would they lay their lives down? See, in history, we have those who died for a cause or something that they sincerely believed in, even though they may have been sincerely wrong. Kamikaze pilots in World War II, suicide bombers in the Middle East. I don't know of anyone, I don't know of anyone who would have died for a blatant lie that they created. No one would. And so church history tells us that Jesus' disciples died horrible deaths for one reason. That Jesus was God, that he rose from the dead, and they witnessed it with their very own eyes. And church history tells us that these disciples were beheaded, they were crucified, they were executed, they were filleted alive, they were stoned to death. For a lie? For a lie? I don't think so. They witnessed the risen Savior themselves. Even the Apostle Paul, even the Apostle Paul, who was killing followers of Christ before his conversion, witnessed the risen Savior on the road to Damascus and gave his life in service to Jesus. We know the resurrection was not a made-up story or something that happened over time. Many people say, well, the resurrection is just a, a legend that got created by the followers of Jesus over time, and after a while it just got embellished. Some would say that the followers of Jesus just made this up. One of the earliest Christian creeds that we have is found in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 6. The Apostle Paul states something here which I think is unbelievable. And this is what he says as he encourages the listeners in Corinth. He says, For what I receive I pass on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. So what Paul is saying to these writers in Corinthians is, saying, listen, this is true. Jesus showed himself not only to his disciples, but to 500 people. And if you don't believe me, there are some that are still living today. And you can go ask them if it's true. See, this creed began to circulate very shortly after Jesus' resurrection. There is no possible way a legend could have ever occurred that quickly. And Paul says, if you don't believe me, go ask those that are still alive. See, what's so wonderful about this creed is that the early church did not corrupt the truth about Jesus. They simply passed on that truth. And that's why they gave their lives for that truth. So here's, here's the point I want to hammer to you this morning. I can give you, I can give you all the evidence in the world. And, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go through that in the next nine weeks. But here's the difference. Jesus posed a question to Martha... Jesus posed the question to Thomas, and Jesus poses that question to you today. Do you believe? Do you believe? I can give you all the evidence in the world, but that's not going to change a hardened heart. Do you believe? So the question remains, if this is true, if Jesus is God, 
If this fact separates Jesus from every other religious figure, if if Jesus came to give his life for our sin, if indeed he is the only way to God, then, then we need to ask ourselves a very important question. Do I believe? You see, Jesus didn't give his life for good people. I know you're all good. We all say we're good, right? But guess what? We're all born into sin. And all of us have fallen short of God's perfection. In fact, the Bible says that we've all fallen short of God's glory. Every single one of us. There is no way we could ever save ourselves. The whole reason why Jesus came to earth was not to die for good people. He gave his life for sinners. His resurrection proves his divinity. That He conquered sin and death through the cross and through his resurrection. He is the only one to do that. And, and let me just tell you, some of you may be here, you may be saying, Pastor, I've been really searching. I've been reading a lot of books on New Age or other things or, or things to make myself feel better. Let me just say this, and I hope I don't offend anybody, but if I do, I'm sorry, okay? No, I'm not. But anyways, listen. Listen. You will not find the answer within yourself. There is no spark of the divinity within yourself. No matter how much you try to make yourself feel better and you accept that. Listen, you're turning to a flawed premise when you look to yourself because we're all sinners. And the only way that you can find life and the only way you can find forgiveness is by turning to the one who was perfect. The one who did conquer death for you. And that's Jesus Christ. You've got to start with him. And then allow him to change you. That Jesus didn't, listen, Jesus didn't come for good people. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. Listen, I don't, all of us, we we try to do so many, and I'm not saying that that people don't do good things around the world and do a lot of great, and, and, and do have a lot of great causes and so on. That's all wonderful. But Jesus didn't come for good people. Jesus didn't come for well people. He came for sick people, and we're all sick. Some of you more a little sick in the head, but that's right. We're all sick, right? We're all flawed. That's why Jesus came. Listen, if Jesus just came for good people, there was no reason for him to die a horrible death on the cross. It was just another person who did another great act. But if that's all that there was, then we've missed the whole meaning of why God sent His only begotten Son. So the question is, are you forgiven? I go back to what Jesus said to Thomas. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. So what is the difference? The difference is your faith. The difference is what you believe in. You have to put your trust in Christ and bow your, knee, bow your knee to Him. It's a humbling thing to admit that you're wrong. It's a humbling thing to admit that you need God. And I, I, listen, listen, listen. I'm not going to dance around the tree with you here, okay? Listen. I'm not going to tell you that if you come to Jesus, your life's going to get all better because it may not. I'm not going to tell you if you come to Jesus that when you go home today, it's going to be a, when you go home today, there's going to be a brand new car in your, in, in your driveway. There might be. I don't know. I'm, I'm not limiting God here, but I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that everything's going to be wonderful for you because, because, because those things may not happen. And you may say, well, I came to Jesus and my life got worse. I'm going to tell you the reason why you come to Jesus 
is not because of what he can do for you, but what he's done for you that you could never do for yourself. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that you need to, that Jesus is the end to meet your needs so that you can feel better about yourself. And that Jesus is another means by, by, by which you can use Jesus to get what you want. That's not why he came. He came to deal with our sin issue. And if you come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I'm going to come to you for the simple reason. is because you are God. And you died for my sin on that cross 2,000 years ago. And I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. And you come to him with that attitude. With that mindset, with that belief, he will change your life like he changed my life in 1982. Jesus came because he loves you and he didn't want you to die in your sin. That's why he came. And he conquered the grave to prove that he is God. That everything he said and everything he did was true. Do you believe this? Let me just tell you something. I do. And Jesus has never let me down. And let me just tell you, for serving the Lord that many years, um, it hasn't been easy. And, 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 and I've gone through a lot of struggles in my life. And, and a lot of things have happened in my life that are beyond my control. But I can tell you this one thing, that Jesus never lets me down because he's the anchor that holds true. Day after day after day. He's a solid foundation for me. And he never changes. And he's always there for me. So I don't know what your hope is in today. I don't know where your faith is today. But why don't you come to Jesus? Allow him to do the changing that you've been looking for in your life. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. I want to pray with you just before we close the service today. Listen, in your seats, there was a, a, a card that, that you found in your seat. And this is what I want you to do today. I'm going to pray for you today. And there's a decision that you're going to make right now that's going to be the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. And that's going to be in this decision to believe in Christ and to really follow Him. I'm not talking about joining our church or some religious organization. I'm talking about following Jesus and believing what He did for you. That He died for your sins. That it's only through your faith and your belief that you can be forgiven of your sin. That's the step that you have to take. You have to put your faith in Christ. And you can do that in just a moment as we pray. But let me just say this. I want you to take this card. I want you to put your name on it. And if you, there's three areas that you can check off. And, and I want you to check off the area that, that, that you did today so that we can follow up with you, that, that we can help you to connect you in your next steps with Jesus Christ. Listen, we're all a growth in progress. There, there are no superstars in the kingdom of God. There are, no, there are no professional Christians, okay? And so we want to help you and we want to follow up with you and we want to give you materials and so on and so forth to help you to connect in your step, your next steps with Jesus Christ so that you can be that disciple that Jesus desires you to be in your life so that you can continue in this faith step that you're making right now. So let me pray for you right now. And just in your own way, in your heart, just put your trust in Christ. Just put your trust in Christ. Lord, as we borrow hearts today, none of us in this room are perfect. We're all dysfunctional. We all have messed up. We've all made mistakes. 
Jesus, I thank you for your grace today that covers, that forgives all our, all our sin, all our shortcomings. And Jesus, I pray for every person here today that has bowed their heart, that has, has, has said, Jesus, I want to put my faith in you. And so as they take that faith step today, Lord, I pray that you would make that real to them today as, as their hearts are changed because of what you did inside of them, that they would believe, just as Thomas said, my Lord and my God, I believe. And just as Martha put her faith and said, yes, I believe that you are the Messiah, you are the one that has come. And so, Jesus, I pray that for every single person here today, as they put their faith in you, that you would change them, God. That they would know that you love them, that they're not here on accident, that they're, that they're here for a purpose, that you've been calling them, that you've been calling their name. And right now, right here, is the choice that they're going to make that's going to affect the rest of their eternity, God. So, Lord, help us not to bypass this time, Lord, because you're speaking to hearts right now. And I thank you, Jesus, for being patient with us, for loving us, for not giving up on us. Thank you for everything you've done for us. And we believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one, no one, no one can come unto the Father except through you. We believe that today. And so we put our faith and our trust in you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This is what I want you to do as we sing this closing song and just rejoice in what a Savior is. Please fill out this card. And what you can do is you fill out this card. You can just leave it right in your seat and we'll pick it up later and we'll follow up with you to help get you connected with your next step with Jesus Christ. God is good, isn't he? I am so glad that you came this morning to hear what Jesus wanted to say to you this morning. And I want you to know that we were praying for you. That when we meet here on Tuesday night for prayer, we pray for every seat that's going to be filled in this place. So you were prayed for today because God loves you and he cares for you. So I appreciate you coming today and listening to God and getting up early and come to church. Amen. God is good. Let's stand as we sing this and close it today. God bless you.